Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Kevin Valley, and Caribbean Power Lunch is all about global business with a Caribbean perspective. Today, we're taking it back to where it all began. November 2017, I recorded my first episode with serial entrepreneur Usei Wright Alexis. From music to catering to tech to events to even a little bout in stand-up comedy. Osei has brought his business startup formula to bear on numerous ventures over the last 15 odd years. In this episode, you'll hear him explain how he knows which idea is going to be next and when it's time to move on. You see, once the challenge is gone, serial entrepreneurs are always looking for the next business spark to develop. Bringing an idea to fruition is exciting, but making sure it's ready before you move on takes focus, patience, a thorough understanding of the market, and sometimes tedious formulation of the systems and processes that underlie successful operation. Osei walks us through his successes, his failures, his lessons, and he drops some serious wisdom for those of you who have too many ideas and don't know where to start. So we're going to start off this podcast episode with Osei describing his latest venture at the time called Incentivize Networks. All right, Osei, we're feeding into you. Let's go. Well, we registered in 2012, so the business has been around for maybe 2012, so about five and a half years. The initial intention of the business incentivized network, as the name suggests incentivized, it was about motivating staff, motivating employees. That was the initial concept. I mean, we've come a long way since then, but how that came about, at the point in time I was working at RBC, I discovered that RBC had this really cool um, employee rewards portal that they didn't use, but we had access to. But it was all offline, it was all paper-based. And for some reason, that portal was only used internationally. But I checked it out, we had access, and I liked the portal, it just seemed very intuitive. You know, you could go on and you could see all the employees, all the co-workers, you could publicly recognize them on the system, you could nominate them for awards, etc. So I told myself, this looks like a really good initiative that we could probably do locally. Why isn't there something, a thing, you know, in Trinidad and Tobago? Right. Over a period of a year, so I kind of... Started just jotting down those during work. Much to the dismay of my, my boss at the time. <laughs> I wouldn't call any names though, but Nika, you know yourself. Nika, we love you. Nika, <laughs> we love you. Right? <laughs> so I just kind of jotted down notes over time and then decided, listen, I like the concept, but I go hard on paper. And I started, just took, took a risk, I had some, some resources of, from over the years at the bank. And I spent quite a bit of money with a local developer at the time to develop the platform that was similar. Of course, it couldn't be the same, but very similar. And um, that was the birth of it, you know, Incentivized Network Limited. And that particular portal, I call it Vibe Rewards. So it was registered vibrewards.com. And that was the start. Vibe Rewards. Vibe Rewards. Why Vibe Rewards, man? Caribbean vibes, local, something, something catchy, not, not too serious or heavy, you know what I mean? Yeah, I know he's a man with real vibes. <laughs> well, well, I mean, I think, I think he wrote one from a journey bank to us, and the vibes were just on that, just the top of my mind, you know? Mm. So that was the inception. I mean, we had a long journey since then, but um, that's how it started. So I don't know if you, if you, if you want to get into the actual journey or if you Of course, no, of course, but I mean, okay, of course, of course. Yeah. All right, so let's talk about your journey, right? So we kind of backpedal a little bit. How was your years in RBC? How we describe those years? RBC to me was, on paper, it was a good company. I mean, I had an excellent team. I think those were the most fun working years ever. Mm-hmm. I think people were very jealous with the kind of experiences we had as a team. Both in office, in the carnival, first we went to many sports. These are we conquered, right? But for me, and this is one of the reasons I kind of realized that entrepreneurship is, is just, I, I can't get away from it. For me, I need challenge 
any variety, boy. Like, so for example, I me mean, in school, anytime I learn, if somebody's teaching me something, I don't want you to, to spoon feed me. Just give me the basics. What I enjoy is spending the time working it through, figuring it out, beating it up to see if I could figure it out, right? Yeah. And then when I figure it out, I'm ready to move on. <laughs> I can't stick, I can't do the same thing day in, day out, right? So the problem with RBC for me was that totally did not provide either of those two items or facets or whatever. So at the end of the day, once you, once you figured out the job, there was no challenge again. As an investment analyst at the bank, we just had to kind of update investment opportunities with buy and sell and holes. And, you know, they didn't, they didn't change that much. I mean, again, you piece of news every now and then, uh, you know, you write a report on etc. But the reality is we figured it out. We had models, we had templates. Where's the challenge, right? And then where's the dynamism? I mean, every day, what do you have to look forward to, right? Writing reports, you know what I mean? So, I mean, after two months, I was ready to leave. That lasted probably three and a little bit of years there. And after like probably six months in that bank, I was ready to go away. All right, so let's go back a little bit. So before RBC, you were at JMB. Well, currently JMB, formerly into commercial bank. I was a commercial credit <laughs> officer, relationship <laughs> officer for uh, commercial relationship officer. <laughs> so I was the, the the point person for small to medium sized businesses looking for financing from the bank. Mm. Yeah, I was that guy who and I had to go out and find them. And then facilitate them if they came in off the street. So that was interesting. That was, um, you see, in that case, the bank's brand didn't do much. I mean, JMB is, 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 you know, it's a JMB is a brand. It's a brand, but back then, Intercommission had a very small niche market and competing against big guns, RBCs and the publics, et cetera. It was very difficult to find good clients. So you found out after people get blank from, X, Y, and Z, they came to A <laughs> and looking, you know, desperate. It was a difficult, difficult to weed out, you know, the, the good ones, but it, it was what it was. And while I was there, I got the um, RBC offer. So, yeah, so you mentioned that you are, this is not your first venture into entrepreneurship, right? Right. True to culture, limited. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I went on LinkedIn. <laughs> I went on LinkedIn. I went, I went on LinkedIn. <laughs> Well, let me give you a little background before Truth the Culture, right? So I'll try and go back as far as I can remember. When I was in secondary school, we had a, a DJ group huh? called um, Sarong Song. Okay. Right? So that was, I think, was the first time I ever tried something like that. Adventure yeah. of sorts, that Sarong okay. Song. So actually, I went to school with Private Ryan, and he, he <laughs> back then, he was, his DJ group was called Detrimental Songs, right? Right, right, the right, right. Thing, they were the biggest thing in that era, at least in our circle. Just under the jugglers and the radioactive technology, right? He was exceptionally talented from secondary school. Like, he was, he was, he was real good, good. So he taught a, a good friend of mine, Amunra Bishop Mumra. He actually tries these things at a soca now and he does his thing. Yeah. So he taught him how to DJ. Amunra taught me how to DJ. Okay. Because I used to go by Mumra Amunra every weekend and we used to spend for hours and stuff and, you know, learn to scratch and records you, you know. I mean, I learned from the best, right? So, yeah, I didn't know exactly from him, though, but it was, it was, you know, a kind of osmosis, something going on. We decided to try and start a sound system group. So, I mean, we, we, we had some from St. Mary's and a couple of guys from the area, which is Trinity Takari, bro. And we started the wrong song. We, that was the first time we really got out there. We went promoting. We, we did a lot of events, small events, you know, like we did. There's a school party, secondary school parties, a couple of weddings, a couple of birthday parties, and it was cool. Getting paid was, was, was very rare, but it was a good experience being out there, I think. But you did get paid. Occasionally. Okay. Yeah. 
But I think that was his start because you can't discount. And I always say, apart from being bored quickly, which I mentioned before, I think another big thing for me is just being brave, like just doing things that you feel like you want to do mm-hmm. and fighting past all the doubts, all the, all the discussion behind in your mind that says you couldn't or you can't or you shouldn't or whatever. Right? And for me to go up in front of, of all these people and like, you know, we just in George's um, thing and we go up on stage and people watching it, it's all about you now. You on stage, yeah, it's a big yeah. deal. It's a big deal. It, it seems, big deal. It seems no. small, yeah. but it's a big deal, right? That's that The amount of walls you have to break through to get to that point. I mean, back then, I didn't think like that. I was just like, hey, let me do this. I mean, hype about So you feel like you were braver back then? Not braver, but I think that's where it started in terms of being willing to try something. You know what I mean? So with that, I, started, I worked for a year and then I went to university abroad, to Howard University. And Howard is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You didn't go Howard, what are you saying? Nah, I was not Jerry Redden. Big up to the boy, Jared Stevens. Yeah, you know, at the end of the day, that translated into the experience up there because, I mean, Howard is, a, is like you in Washington, D.C., right? A lot of West Indians. And up there, I went to the first Caribbean party and the Caribbean Students Association president was Jamaican at that time. I just approached him in the party. I was like, yo, I want to spin some music here too, boy. He's like, what? But you took your spin nothing. Let me hear about your big people party this, you know, yeah? I said, I, I could spin him. Just give me a chance. Give me, give me like 10 minutes in the next party and I'll show you how I could do, right? I didn't work with any music, any CDs, anything at all, right? What? So I literally, the next party was actually like a week after. And I just had like 10 CDs. I, I came up with 10 CDs. And I kind of mapped out a plan of how I'm going to play these 10 songs in 10, these are 10 CDs in 10 minutes, which songs I'll play. I went up there and I remember seeing the president jumping up in the crowd. And, yeah, <laughs> gotcha. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> I remember that. And then since then... I mean, that, that, that was a brave move. I, I did it because, mm. listen, why not? You know, why not? Exactly, why not? This thing. And literally, I think I played it every single Caribbean Students Association party. for my. For, that was there for the four years I was there. My name was DJ Osei, not very creative, but that led to gigs in the African Students Association parties, in American clubs, countless house parties, you know, so... <laughs> yeah, so so that was, that was um another kind of big opportunity for me. And then... A, co- a group of guys approached me when I started a promotional company yeah. up there to throw events. That was called Basement Knockers. Basement Knockers. Yeah, Basement Knockers. The name is a little crazy, but we started throwing basement parties first. And K-N-O-K was like your initials of the four guys who were um, doing it. So it was Knockers. It was, you know, it was what it was. But I, I tell any stories, and again, nostalgic yes, because <laughs> that was, I mean, so much ups and downs with that, but that was another interesting thing. And, you know, I always look back on those days too, like, I remember my mom, I got a scholarship, but it was partial, and I had to pay for food, books, and fees, right? Mm. And after the first year of having to buy food and books, and I guess what, paying ticket to come every so often, she never had to spend a cent after that first year. Wow. And, and she, she mentioned it to me, like, on the third or fourth year, she's like, you know, it's, uh, as a mother, you know, and, and, and it never dawned upon me until then that that was actually some another big thing, I guess, and you... You've supported yourself, right? I mean, it wasn't full right, but, you know, you're paying your way. You could spend, you could go out, you could hang out. Because each gig DJ was like two, 300 US. I cook a lot too. This is another side note. Mm-hmm. And I started to cook and sell food in university. I, I, I had a menu, email out to people. And it was more money. I, I sold tw- twice a week. Made like probably 40 to 50 meals each day at 6 or $7 a meal. 
And groceries are a bit cheap, so again, and what was the profit on that? You calculate all of that. Was cheap, like, like I, I would, I would make let's say forty by six. That's two forty US. Groceries would probably be forty dollars. Wow. You know what I mean, it's like real small money again. So you, you're, you're like, you're like a serial entrepreneur. Oh, serial entrepreneurs, as you mentioned, it, right? That again ties into being bored and not wanting to do the same thing over. Once the challenge is gone and, and it becomes monotonous for me, I kind of always look in and, and and that's a good and a bad thing, right? Because I think it's a good thing. It is good to our extent, but at the same time, what happens is that ideas always come, right? You always get random ideas to do different things. And people always come to you with ideas as well, right? But you can't chase every you can chase every rainbow, whatever. You can't go after every idea. If you're not careful, what you find is that you have a bunch of underdeveloped ideas that's not reaching their full potential and you're just jumping around the place. So at some point, it's like you say a magnifying glass focuses the sunlight to be able to burn through something. You need to be able to focus at least for the period in time when you're building and getting the business off the ground. You need to be able to focus solely, if not majority, on that particular venture and give it what it needs to be given to get to a point. And only when it gets to the point of maturity, I feel like you should leave it. Before, I wasn't doing that. Like As a matter of fact, now I probably have about a full of like 15 ideas that have come into my mind. I've started to develop different levels. Like, no, stop. <laughs> right, right. Stop. Just put it down and, and, and finish what you're doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you need to get, and then you have options to pick up something later on, you know. Yes, so yes. that's it. I mean, it's, it's been an interesting journey, but yeah. And and regarding your entrepreneur thing you mentioned, that's actually a calculated goal now. Before I was just kind of all over the place. That's what happens when you're reassessing yourself. I think you kind of I kind of realize what it is. I can't stop. I can't fool myself. There are entrepreneurs. There are business people who work in a business, start the business and work in it. And there are entrepreneurs like me who just love the thrill of starting the businesses and love the idea of bringing, you know, useful tools or products or whatever into existence. So I've decided that my goal is to do just that. But with the cautiousness and the thoughtfulness of getting each thing I do to a certain point before discipline, before I start anything else. So that's that's where I'm at right now. So I'm just trying to get reorganized. Okay, so with these businesses that you start, is it that your intention is to continue operating them or is it like you want to start them? Hire an operator or get somebody to operate them and move on to the next idea. Yeah, that's it. That's it. It's really the goal is to do the groundwork, mm-hmm. understand the business inside out, test its viability, probably start getting a little market, go in, see if it works in the real world, see if it's to generate some revenue. A big part of that is putting systems and procedures in place so you can then hand it off accordingly, right? Mm-hmm. You can't just start something and have all the understandings in your mind and expect somebody to come in and take over. So I've learned that apart from conceptualizing, bringing on a team, starting the marketing and sales, a big part of any business venture you want to do a similar thing with is to spend the time. It's very tedious, but look at every single aspect of that business and um, put on paper exactly what you expect or how you expect it to look. Let that be the Bible that you can give anybody that you bring on board to follow. And of course, it's, it's open to modification and, and improvement, but... That's an important thing as well. So, yeah, that's 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 what I hope to approach it. So, when you get an idea, when you get your ideas, you have a system, a screening system before you decide, okay, these are the three out of the 50 I'm going to take action on. This is the one I'm going to take action on. A system, a discipline. Now, or is it just like whatever it is that keeps you up at night? Good question. It's intuition to some degree. Like, uh-huh. and I think I think anybody would put down a test. The more you do it and the more experiences you get, failing and succeeding, you get a sense more quickly of 
if something makes sense or could possibly make sense in the future. And if the timing is right, because I mean, China is a unique market. Right? We have so much challenges in our market for business, young business, new yes. technology-based business especially. Mm-hmm. Which is where I want to kind of focus. For example, that was the biggest challenge with Vibri was, right? It was before its time. Yes, we did have a couple of customers come on board, but the reality is that people trusted paper. They didn't trust the internet. They weren't willing to spend. So that's one thing. Internet trusting was one aspect. People didn't certain you know, it was just certain types of things. So when they say people, they mean like Caribbean people. Trinidadian people. Trinidadian people. Yeah, we just talk Trinidad for now. Okay. So that's one challenge. They didn't trust web-based things, electronic-based things. Uh, if you do it on paper and it works for us, let's keep it this way. And something like that, although the benefits were visible, it just wasn't a priority. It wasn't like, you know, we're not trying to be savvy. We're not trying. We just want to continue doing things that we, we've been making a profit. Let's continue, I guess, right? And a second challenge with that was the mindset towards employees. I find that locally, maybe because of this oligopolistic nature of Trinidad and the way, you know, the whole thing is set up, but locally, employees aren't that important. The mentality is that if somebody leaves today, we can get somebody to replace them tomorrow. Yep. So that the idea of spending extra money, you don't pay your damn salary. We talk about rewards and recognizing. If you're not happy, pick up and go and you'll put out any papers tomorrow. Understand? So now I couldn't have known this before I started, right? And of course, the mindset internationally is different towards employees. You look at employees as an asset as opposed to a liability. Here, it's a liability. You have to spend money. Okay. Across there, it's like, you know, if, if your employee is happy, happy employees equals happy customers equals productive pro, business, pro, productive business mm-hmm. right? So things like that, you can only learn by burning, right? Those two things I mentioned, that's just an example, right? Mm-hmm. The technology adoption and the mindset wasn't. One common characteristic with my businesses, except for the first two, was that they were very shoestring, bootstrapped type business business type. I launched <laughs> the first two businesses. This is True to College, which you mentioned. I was sort of bacon shark store. I remember that bacon shark truck. <laughs> we talk I, about spent, that. I spent obscene amounts of money on those two ventures, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's a long story, but obscene amounts of money. True to Culture, I probably made 0.0003% of that back. And Wabi's Bacon Shark, I probably made 0.004% of that back, right? Yeah. So, I learned the hard way mm-hmm. that unless you have somebody to finance your shit, you had to find ways to do it at the lowest cost. And it could just mean choosing ideas that just don't cost much to start hey. or, <laughs> or just being exceptionally creative with your, with your everything, you know? From the marketing to the actual product itself to your web development. I mean, this is where I just sort of call on favors. I mean, it's resourcefulness in a way. If I could even get into the kind of gymnastics I, I would have had gone through and still go through today to balance my books when I am starting a venture and trying to get it going and all that. It's, it's crazy. It's crazy. That shit is not for the faint of the faint of Yeah, yeah. I'm but... telling you. It have times when nothing making sense. And I mean, it wasn't mentioned tonight, but I have a wife and two kids, right? So it's not just me and this. My wife is one of the most Hi, patient. <laughs> She's one of the most patient people ever. Right? I mean, so many stories I could tell you and she stick it through, you know? Not many people would, would be able to do that, what she did, right? She continues to do it today. I mean, things are a little better now than they were times gone by, but it's still, it's still, it's still building, right? We're still trying to get this thing right, trying to get the flexibility yeah. that we're working towards. Yes. Okay, so let's get to the sexy business now. <laughs> In events. In events is sexy? Oh, wow. In events sexy. <laughs> I 
Eyes are first. Alright, well, in events, um, damn. Fair talking plenty. Boy. Software as a service, yeah, guest right. management, corporate clientele. I see tribe and dossier. Well, yeah, something so. What? I mean, in events, boy. So, in events, didn't start off as in events. In events, started off as socialite Caribbean, right? So, a good friend of mine's a guy called Joel Map. He works full time, but yeah, he always a good idea. He's an ideas man as well. When he came to me with the idea, Again, you know, you kind of could smell out the ideas that kind of make sense from inception. So by the time yeah. you started to tell me about it, I liked it. It wasn't about what events is today currently, but it was very similar. And the whole idea was using RFID technology, which is the kind of swipe and go cards that you have, you know, use for your office spaces and all that. So that's for like near field communications and stuff. Yeah. Similar to what Tribal was trying to initiate the other day. Yeah, that's, that's what they, that's actually... This, the, the exact technology it comes in different forms, cards, bands, etc. Right? Tribe did bands. Okay. We may know them as the proximity cards that, that you right, know, see around. Right, 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 right. So, the idea was that marketers, at that point, social media marketing was a big thing. Getting likes yeah. to the page, getting content generated and all that from users. I mean, it still is, but it was like hyper back then. And, and you got more leverage from the social media sites then. Now I feel like you cut back on certain things and you're trying to get it to pay. That's the next story. But um, mm. the idea is that we could pre-program these cards with users. So users could kind of activate the card with their social media accounts by just logging in on the website and tagging the card. So we had some different ways to do that. And then at an event with the card or with the band that was activated, it was like the activity passport of sorts. So you could move around the venue. For example, I might be able to swipe my band at the bar, it's like a station at the bar, and it would say, you know, a social media update would pop up on my my newsfeed saying, you know, hey, I'm here at this event, taking a drink by the bar, good time. We had social media, photo booth, so I could actually swipe at the photo booth, take a picture, and immediately it goes on my Facebook page, branded with whoever sponsor event imagery, you know. And several things. We had live polling, we had point accumulations, like more activity, you did it in points, I could swipe to earn and swipe to redeem. So it was a really nice tool. So that was the idea. I liked it. I mean, to me, RFID was cool. It was, it was well explained by Joel. In terms of how it would work and what it could do. And I, being the analyst that I have, spent <laughs> quite a bit of time mapping out how it could work and all that. And um, we tried it. We found developers after quite a bit of searching online, international. We tried, we got plenty blanks because our market is small, right? Some of these guys only want to do with big players, big events. But we found some guys out in Indonesia who were into partner with us. Oh, you found guys in Indonesia to do it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Software guys. And we... How did you find them? We just Google the technology, the Google. description of the technology. We just look at everybody internationally who did it, and we started to send out emails to them, introducing ourselves, describing the market, and explaining how we, we could see a partnership. And they responded very professionally, and they were very interested. So eventually, we were able to secure sole distributorship for that developer, for the product in, in, in the region, which was good. So with that being done... We started a package of dummy marketing materials, etc., and we went to pitch. So we went to, I remember it very clearly, we went to First Citizens Bank through a contact, which is, you know, your sober contact being no, that's, the Holy that's, Grail. That is the Holy Grail. Yeah, and, and um, they like the idea. So you say, you know what, we'll give us a try for our end of year function. Right. However, we have another problem that we want to know if this could kind of help us out somehow, because it sounds like it could help us away, I think. <laughs> and the problem was, we, we expected probably just around 4,000 guests. And normally, we have lines wrapping around the entire car park and entrance point 
and we have like 15 stations with paper names, scratching off names, there's no cohesiveness, we don't know who come at the end of the event. You think you could help us with that? And we mapped it out and like, yeah, we could definitely do that. We could just program the cards and let them swipe on the way in. I mean, just, just quite easy to do. And that's how in events concept, which is as it currently stands, the primary aspect of it now was born. So we did the social media thing that was cool, but yeah. the bigger win for the client was this paperless entrance point with zero lines that was just they were blown away by. And we realized that that actually is a very nice niche to fill because there are quite a few corporate entities and conferences that have the large numbers that would have similar problems as, as food citizens have. So we, what we decided to do was market it primarily from that and have a spin-off with the social media as an additional benefit. And since then, that's what we've been doing. Well, just a little side story on that. Joel and I decided to part ways along the way. Okay. We had a little difference in opinion on certain things. Mm-hmm. And he started his own company doing the exact same thing that I was doing, right? Similar so, execution. Similar, yes. Because I know execution. your your execution team. You you had I mean you had a you had a full team when it when you went to events. You will go to a team of at least let's say four or five. Oh no! Well, I mean you know at the end of the day those were I have a pool of staff that mm-hmm. have worked with me very consistently and very well over the years. So I trust them. They trust me. They understand what we do very well. So that I kind of pull on them whenever mm-hmm. I, I need staff for events. It's not full time staff. He would have developed his own staff base as well. I don't know much about how he does his business, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah. All I would say is that we have First Citizens on board, RBC, Republic, Guardian. All right. Unitrust, um, you know, we've done local tribe with the TIC. The C- I mean, I'm not boasting anything, but just saying that. You did TIC? Yeah. Wow, TIC that's too. huge. So at the end of the day, you know, we, we still, we still very good friends. We have, we play cards, we do, you know, we lime. Oh, okay, it's, good. Yeah, Excellent. So, I mean, I think I, I was, I was told by a couple of people who, who were in similar ex, ex, uh, situations. I mean, it's not a black versus Syrian thing, but that's what it was the context in which it was mentioned. So, you know, look at the, when you look at the families that run in the big businesses up in Trinidad, mm-hmm. they compete ferociously on the forefront of the business side, but then they sit down and they take the drink and they mm-hmm. have the thing, they, 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 you know, there's no animosity, not because we're in business and we compete, means we can't that's have a relationship. politics yeah, exactly. too. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. It just makes sense. But, and, but what you find is on, on our side, it's the opposite of pertains, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. People fall out bitter over. It's the other side. I mean, the black, 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 black yeah, side, yeah, the black yeah. entrepreneurs. Yeah, I'm not sure how. Um, this yeah, it's this podcast, is, I'm sorry. Yeah. This podcast is about I'll featuring be black owned businesses. I'll be a it, is, it, 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 it is. It is what it is, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you have a lot of pettiness that goes on. And I mean, it's a whole different discussion, but. Yeah. But, yeah. but you know, that's one thing that I'm glad at least we can say that we didn't. Because it started off very kind of bitter. But I think both of us realized that the friendship that we had, because it was a partner of mine, right? Right. It was actually more important than the businesses. You know, those things come, they go, yeah, you make money, you lose money, but they ain't quite throw away the friendship. So we still do our thing, you know, and that's, that's good. But um, we don't talk much about business, to be honest with you. I mean, yeah. I, I have no idea where he's at right now in the business. Okay. You know, so we leave that there. Okay. But okay. um, of course, great experience. I mean, you can't kind of learn it, and that's, that's the thing, you know, to me, that's the best part about what I do on a day-to-day basis. Every single day, every experience, literally, is a lesson learned for me. Like, I don't know what program in school or online learning I could get this kind of education <laughs> where I If I tell you, I mean, as something comes up, it needs to be done. There's no hiring anybody out of the money to do that. Right. There's no, I mean, at least not yet, right? 
there's no uh, put off or you know I'll just if it doesn't get done it doesn't the thing doesn't move forward whatever the thing is right so I, I've become an expert at so much things boy like it's really a great learning experience I mean for example database management for these big events Excel all these Microsoft tools that you, you use the formulas the the shortcuts the pivot tables I mean. I can do those with my eyes closed now, but how I learned... Table tables, man. How I learned them things is literally G-O-O-G-L-E. Why <laughs> T-U-V-E? College. I, I learned so much. And that's just one aspect, but I mean, interacting with clients, understanding what clients look for, what they like. Customer service is something that was such a long way. Some people think about business as this kind of mysterious... Arrogant, kind of, you know, like um, I'm in business now and I wear suits and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, 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 I'm mysterious. You know, I'm Those are the high level employees of the business. That's the ones who get it together, right? Businesses are just having a functional, productive, mutually beneficial relationship with somebody else mm-hmm. who's in a position to make a decision as to whether they want to bring your business or not to help their purpose, right? Amen. I have very good relationships, exceptional relationships with every single client that we do business with. I mean, friends, I mean, it's, I mean, it's weird, right? But I would drop in on a client and just chat if I'm in the area. And you find that because of the relationship, I understand the clients, I understand what they look, expect, and want. They, knowing that, they feel very comfortable leaving us be because they, they know what they're going to get. Let me give you an example. Sure. Republic Bank, the first event we did with them, they had about probably seven of the staff at the entrance point, And they were like, police, chair, like every. Move we made, they were just there watching. Because <laughs> they didn't know I was Republic Bank. And so they're supervising you. Well, not not on paper, but that's exactly what they were doing. They didn't yeah. set out you were going to watch, you know. But they were like, you know. <laughs> it's it's buzzing, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that event was for the high-end corporate clients. So it was a panel event. They have every kind right? Oh, okay. So it was important for them. Okay. Because it was still, uh, I don't know. I guess they decided to try us with that one. I don't know. Okay. Like, we talk about this. I mean, we went above and beyond, but everything was spot on. We decorated the entrance points. We had opportunities. You'll decorate it too. How we do it is that we try to make it a little, a little extra. So not decorate as in balloons and stuff, but like we do special branding. So you get event-specific right. branding or company-specific branding for each access point at the entrance. And then we put lights. We have we have them lit so it looks... So when you walk up to an event, it doesn't look like a... Visibility. Yeah, it doesn't look like a regular... Yeah, yeah. Ticketed boot at a yeah. You feel like you're walking into something special and it goes with... Because when you see much money people spend on the decor and the ambience of the overall event, yeah. why would you give them a, a cocktail table or what you call those six-foot tables? The folding mm-hmm. tables? Yeah, with the, the white table? Yeah, the cloth. <laughs> with a red cloth? cloth, No, man, give them some looking, you know, and, and they appreciate that. So from that, right up to the staff you brought up, you have uniforms, you have formal uniforms, and we have more related back uniforms, be more auto events. We interact. I, I give my staff a briefing every time. It could be same staff, same three events in a month. You're going to get the same briefing and the same warnings and the same pointers. We are the first thing these people are going to see when they get to these class mm-hmm. events. Have to be always on point. And that's why I cannot do business. But anyway, back to the Republic Bank thing. By the third event, I could not find a Republic Bank staff member. All right. To ask a question. They <laughs> were inside the event having a time, right? You know? yeah, they like and they're taking a picture. <laughs> at the end, they were so comfortable, you know? And, and that's... That's what I could boast about. I feel good about that. You know, that they were willing to, they are willing to have been willing to give us that full reign on the entrance. But they trust that we're going to. Yeah, 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 full confidence. Mm-hmm. That goes a long, long yeah, way. Yeah, definitely. You know, definitely. so good stuff, good stuff to, to look back on and be happy about. But 
So how many events were these for the year? How many corporate events? In the heyday. <laughs> in the heyday? Yeah, I mean, this, this business, the first event we did was December 2014. Yeah, I remember. I, I worked for Osei a couple of times, you know? Yeah. I can I attest that Osei, when he is ready at his event, he is the boss. <laughs> Osei makes sure everything is, is moving seamless. Understand? Yeah, yeah. he, he didn't let me get a, get a little drink and a little party at the Citizens Christmas Party in 2014. I, I, I didn't feel like you do that. I think, I think, I think you might have... You, you felt sorry for me. I think you told me to go to the bathroom or something. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm going to say, Yeah, yeah. I mean, sometimes the clients and them, I mean, when we when we finish, because, I mean, the entrance point can't close on a certain point, mm-hmm. sometimes they actually just say, I'm going to lime or the party and have a time. You enjoy yeah. the last half or whatever. You know? So, I mean, you know, we try to do it respectfully. Yes. But, um, and I, well, I, I was respectful. <laughs> <laughs> you paid your respects to the bar. I paid my respects to the bar, paid my respects to the staff, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, right. So, on average, you find that the, a corporation, I don't know if it's something you have on the books or what, but four to five events, big events, as in all staff events, tend to be the, the numbers. You have like a sports day, a rally, a end of year, maybe, um, Thanksgiving or Christ giving or award ceremony, you know, those type of all staff events. And then in between, you may have some smaller events for subsets of the staff, whether it's a kids' function or, or manager's, uh, you know, briefing or whatever it is. So it really depends on the nature of the event. If they do track staff at the event and um, the budget for the event, I think budget is a big thing. Okay. So and we have about recurring, we probably have about maybe six clients that we do. The majority of the events are on your basis. So, you know, I think as much as that is good-ish, I think you and I were talking recently to it where you were saying the potential for it. There's still a lot of potential for it to grow. Yeah, um, because there's whole there's whole other market in terms of just events for like like social events other than corporate events. So all these big parties like Trinidad is a party event hub. Everybody has a committee. Everybody's throwing events. Every weekend you could find somebody's throwing an event. That is just... Cool mind waiting for somebody to come and capitalize on? Well, from my perspective, we've explored all these iterations before, right? right? From my perspective, the real benefit of my software is the data management aspect. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, what these companies really want is that large amounts of data can be captured slash managed slash reported on concisely and accurately, right? The thing is, FETs and parties don't give a shit about data. They should... But they don't. They don't? Because I feel, I feel like once I go to, let's say I go to a Cizami event, I give them my email address, I buy a ticket, I'm getting emails about both Cizami yeah. events in New York, in Miami, in Toronto, they go to St. Lucia, I get an email. Well, I mean, so I spoke very broadly. Of course, they are already before thinking. Right. Uh, okay, so I call I call an exception. So you call an exception. I mean, okay. They got average tools. Fed, like, I mean, I won't call any names, but we've approached several big Especially for carnival, the fact that you would think, oh, yeah, boy, these people would definitely want to be able to do the same thing. Actually, what you mentioned is what we think should be across the board. I mean, yeah, as a promoter of a why would you just want to sell tickets to? And just some ideas that count, okay, yeah, we get 500 tickets sold. And, I mean, sure, profit is, is, is your primary motive, but right. forward thinking, and we spoke about the adaptability to technology. And right, stuff, yeah, right? local being culture. For, yeah, being forward thinking, one should think that it goes beyond just numbers and money. Because the only way to sustain and to grow, especially the amount of parties and the amount of competition in that space, is to yeah, get your people on board, find ways to keep mm-hmm. them engaged, yeah. reach out to them, have them on call, you know. So 
get them. I mean, that's why Caesar's Army would, would have the kind of following it has and, and some other similar local entities, right? Um, so is that other companies can tap into your database and then leverage that for marketing purposes? So for example, if you have, um, if you capture a database for a big pet like Tribe, right. and I say my company, we look at the target, the use markets, and we want to leverage that database. No. Once we, once we collect data for any event, that, that is their data. So when I pitch, they're like, oh yeah, we could definitely collect data. How much are you going to charge us? My price might be twice or three times or even more that of the ticketers. Every time they hear that, hmm, give up the extra revenue or get data. You know what I mean? They're not thinking. Times. I'll go yeah. back to the fellas who just going to scan these people tickets and just provide some some level of something at the entrance, you know? So it's just an ongoing battle. I mean, I think that, I mean, we can do like, you know, things like loyalty programs and all that as well. So, we have a lot of areas to explore. It's also very web-based as well. We have mm. offline and online options. I can set up an event, set up all the functions or the, or the features for events and actually just give you the links. And you can have your team trained to execute with the same benefits that we offer. So what I actually want to do as well is to try and take this up the island, at least to start, and see if I can get that additional market base or something like that going up the island as well. Because it's very simple. It's not... Rocket science is yeah, for sure. Is to understand very scalable model. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so that's actually where I'm at now. I mean, recently okay. kind of revamped the website towards that end, and the idea now is just to figure out the best way because there are options to enter into some of the key markets we're looking at. It's brand new to me, being honest with you. I have never done business across the seas, so you know it's, it's been a process of seeking advice, doing my own research, take a um, trip. See what it's like. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've been to the islands, just not with really the mindset of <laughs> go, right? Go on the beach. How can I sell on the beach? Like, that's all I know, you know? But, um, yeah, but yeah, so so that's where we are. But it's, it's a work in progress. And that's, that's, that's sometimes, you have to be patient. I think that's, that's another thing that, that you have to learn along the way. It doesn't happen overnight. A lot of steps, a lot of research and involved when you want to make it moves. But any day when you're ready to shoot, you have to pull the trigger and go. You can't keep... Um, Bloody garden. You have to go from idea to action. Yeah. So Follow the hashtag, folks. Idea to action. Idea to action. Without a few dots in between. So I'd be a little smart about it. But yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's where it's at. Okay. With in events, that's a good sustainable model. But Vibe Rewards was actually conceptualization of it was all the execution was from scratch. Like from everything was done in marketing. I mean, I spent, I don't want to jump. But I thought the hardest work I had to do ever was to go around to these retailers on foot, walk into the stores, asking if they want to stock the Triticulture CDs, right? And sell any whole local music. And like, so I, I spent months just going, driving around Trinidad, point four ten Sandy Grand, wow. Tego Martin. We had locations. You drove the point, what? Did like, several times, boy. Negotiating all kind of thing. What cut they're going to get, signing contracts. That was real work, Wow. Crazy work. I thought that was the hardest thing I've ever but with Vibe Rewards, how that works is that the reward items you offer the staff will actually retailer gift vouchers, right? Mm-hmm. So we, we have to kind of get permission from retailers to list their logo and their vouchers on the website. So if an employee gets points from his employer, he has a nice variety to choose from. And that was one of the biggest selling points because I, as an employee, I'm motivated by what I'm going to get for this reward that they give him, right? And there was a cash was going to be Used up by the time I reach home, that cash, you put gas in your car, you buy some doubles on the road and two, three groceries, and you get cash reward done. He has no memorable experience. So the idea was don't give them cash, give them experiences, give them things that they would be able to do and experience so that when they go in through the joys of it, 
you remember you as the employer being the person responsible for it, right? So my job was to go to as many local retailers as possible to get them to agree to list their logo and their products on my site. It's free, no risk. But those guys, damn, they don't want to hear nothing about people that they know about. Like, I, shit, I, I remember, I, on average, I probably call every retailer on that list about 50 times before I get a yes. But like, yeah, the manager, mm. and yeah, we're not sure. Yeah, we got to get back to you. Yeah, we have a meeting next to discuss it. No answer, no answer, no answer. Yeah, we may forget you. You know what I mean? And the reality is that without that, I didn't have a product, right? Mm-hmm. So that took me about a year and a half to get like 50 retailers. Being a serious retailer. Now, thankfully, we did get some good names. We got Movie Town, we got like Massey Stores, we got Wonderful World, we got Francis Fashions, Face and Body Books. That's it, that's Clinic? Yeah, Face and Body Clinics, you know, quite a few broad, good names, you know, which kind of opened the gateway for the couple of clients we got. But that took forever to do and it was very tedious. So I said all that to say that although Vibe was in its current form, is not where I wanted it to be when I was conceptualizing it. I think that having those 50 names and having a good understanding of how to promote, I mean, I became an expert in it. I was an HR specialist when I was selling this. Right? <laughs> I could talk to, I had HR professionals asking advice, right? <laughs> <laughs> a finance I major. Hey, expert in okay, I talk about, I have documents and documents that I've studied inside out, but anyway, that's the next story. So I have a lot of other understanding and I have some good connections with these businesses in terms of permission. It's permission to list. That's all you want. So what I decided to do was that, okay, you know what? The challenge with this fiber was thing was apart from the, the lack of understanding and all that and whatever, the process to buying was long, confusing and possibly a little too expensive. You have to get board approval because all your staff had to create accounts and had to get logins right. and had to create a unique website. Right. It was a little too much. So what I decided to do was, listen, don't just give it up. Modify it. So now we're in the process of launching something called a super gift card where we just have one site. It's free to create accounts. Anybody can create an account. And the idea is that we could go onto the website and quickly and easily purchase a super gift card to send to somebody else. You're going to send it via email or you can download a PDF and print it and deliver it to them. Personalize it with a greeting card or your own image and your text and all that. And it goes immediately via email. And it's very easy to use. You can pay online with credit card or, or you can actually order offline and get them delivered to your account. And you can create an account and store value. So, so it's like a, it's like a small vibe was where you don't have to have all the features of the bells and whistles, but you can still have your, your managers in your company have accounts and store value. And anybody that does something reward worthy, give them a pick something right there on the spot. At spot effect was still there, you know? recognition when you really know to write to them etc so you still have that corporate side but gift given is possible and the benefit is that it's very convenient for you to send a gift to you when you get the super gift card you can actually redeem that on the site for a gift card it's of similar value to any of the merchants that we have okay and you have about 50 merchants and I've, I'm, I've actually been adding so you can really see what happens you need to start about 8 business yes. you need to fight you need to drive that point fourteen. <laughs> for those who don't live in Trinidad point fourteen is maybe two and a half hours away it is yeah. the other side of Trinidad it's, it's close to the two <laughs> I think it's close to the two <laughs> right now we by the front of the boot yeah, yeah. <laughs> the top of the boot <laughs> <laughs> you had a plenty of work, boy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and, and I mean, it's all it's all works in progress for me. But um, 
you had to put any work. And they can't look at it as work. Mm-hmm. It's not look at it as a labor love. Like, I just doing this because it has to be done to do what I want to do, right? People like to hire people. Like, why should we hire people for everything that you want to do? We, we don't need a marketing place. We don't need a... It's you, you have two warm bodies here that capable of knocking shit out. Right. Why you want to hire and have a floor manager and all this shit to spend more money? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, yes, hiring comes when you're ready to hand off the business and you're ready to, to you know, move on the next thing. You have your processes, etc. But when you start in a business, first of all, you have to understand the business and you need to understand is to do it yourself. Exactly. And then... Again, unless you have a really again investor, we, we didn't have much money. Are we going to spend a little bit of money on, on things that we could do ourselves? So, putting work is important, and, and they can't shy from that. I mean, like recent wins, we had a couple, you know, we had Wendy's come on, we had Chuck E. Cheese, we had wow. a few nice things come on. So. Wendy's on, let me go and join on a platform there and get my little decorator on. I hope to launch at the end of the month, so we're trying to add as many. We are looking to wrap up soon, folks. Thank you all for listening. I just have one last question for Jose. So Jose, after you left RBCN, I guess while you're still building Vibe Rewards, I remember it some some stand-up comedy. (laughs) 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 This guy stays busy, folks. This guy stays busy. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Why do I get into that, man? Why do I even start that shit? Um, I don't know. I think somebody chained up and said, boy, you're real funny. You know, you can do style. Come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've been trying that shit. You know, but, um, yeah, I mean, again, it goes with the with the brave aspect. I mean, I mentioned it being brave really and trying shit. Like, how I try to live now, boy, is that a lot of the experiences that I did, I did at this one life. Right, exactly. Like, like, why not? You know what I mean? This is Mary that used to sing. I didn't mm-hmm. remember that be done. Well, be done. I went, I sing three years, I went two, you know, I, I'm not a singer, I don't want a singing voice, but I did it, why not? And things like that, the comedy, quite a few other things. It was just because I wasn't good at it. I did two stand-up sets. The first one was okay. Second one was a horrible mess. I, shit, that, that was uh, one of those experiences you just hope somehow we might butt ahead of the and forget it completely. But you know, it was what it was, right? I mean, I bummed out that second time, but I was, I was tough working with you, but like, <laughs> I don't heckle any crowd. Exactly. I remember the heckle and everything, yeah, but it was tough, yeah. He was just laughing real loud when the joke wasn't even, the yeah. wasn't even there, any, right? So my comeback to him was, I'm to you, boy, it came up. Boy, crickets and I, <laughs> no kind of creativity, I come back, you know, and I guess not preparing mm. for hecklers. But that's a tough environment, though, because, I mean, you're in Zen, you're in this public environment with these Young people, you know, people drinking. They don't care about you. You know, it's a tough crowd. It's, and, yeah, yeah. and it's amateur comics, right? But they, they behave like if it's season comics. Yeah, so they, yeah, they, they, they want, they want perfection. Yeah, they want Kevin Hart and Chris yeah, Rock inside yeah, of there. You know, they, they're not going easy on you. Yeah, boy. I mean, listen, if I get a chance to do it over, I'll do the same thing. Because mm-hmm. that was good experience again, boy. Like, real good. Like, like. It's one of balls, it was good, it was good. But, you know, it was it, it is what it is. It was what it was. It will not be anymore. I've accepted that. I still kind of make little jokes in my mind. Like, wait, this would be real good if I was still frightened, stand up, you know? But there won't be time for that anymore. Yes, the experiences, but, you know, just a different set of experiences. So we enter, I enter a lot of fitness these days. I, I, I'm doing 
riding, mountain bike riding, and it was a tri- mountain bike riding. Oh, mm-hmm. sorry. Mountain bike. Oh, I was, I was <laughs> even sure. I was, was going to talk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, trail running, Latin dance, piano lessons. Wow, you everything. Dance. Wow. Yeah. You, know, you know what business to build with? Right? <laughs> <laughs> I do it all the time. You go crazy, boy. Trust me, you know? Do some weightlifting, you know? Just, just keeping busy, keeping healthy, boy, and hoping that it all pays off in you, you know mm-hmm. Do you have any advice for people sitting at home? They're in a job. They're proficient at a job, which you work, but they're not <coughs> fulfilled. They want to get into entrepreneurship. They want to work for themselves. They want to make it happen for themselves. They want to pursue their dreams. But again, they're probably nervous to do that. They're not as brave as you. So what advice you would have for those people who just kind of toy in business ideas in their mind and want to get out there and, and have another in events? I would say think about it very critically. Not from a perspective of what is hip or trendy or what you think is something you should do based on what the tide is, but think about the critical perspective of what exactly do you want to get out of doing something like that, right? At the end of the day, to me, a lot of the times it boils down to the day-to-day experiences and how happy you are with your day-to-day experiences, right? And some people stop at that. So, hey, I do like this work. The first thing that floods in the mind is that well, entrepreneurship, you know, everybody is race, we had to get out and maybe do your own thing and bond this, bond, bond this business and forget my boss and whatever, and we go and, go and start my business, right? But the reality is that this thing is not for everybody, right? Now, if you could sit down and assess yourself and assess your strong points, honestly, assess your, your motivations, honestly, and in the end, I mean, it's very difficult to be objective in a situation, I guess, because it's so trendy you now, like, entrepreneurship and business ownership is like, shit now, you know? But if in the end, you really realize you have the skill sets, you have the, the right motivations, and, and right motivations could be different things to different people, but you alone would know, honestly, mm-hmm. then you ain't left is the bravery to do it, right? First thing is assess your motivations very carefully and ignore the noise out there. It's very difficult. It's a very trying time, very trying period. It demands a lot of multiple skill sets. I mean, we have specialists and tech, technocrats among us who just good at something like finance or whatever. But the breadth of skill sets that you need to start a business is very, you have to be a jack of all trades, master mm. at most times, right? Yeah. Not everybody fits that category. So be honest with your skill sets and your, and your motivations. And then um, you have to look at your, your current situation again. Finances is, is exceptionally important. Yes, the reason people stay in the jobs is because they figure they're not stable enough or they have enough resources to do it and they don't want to lose the income. But my thing is, I mean, it might sound kind of crazy, right? But my thing is, I am marketable, right? I have paper qualifications, thankfully, from university and a degree. But more so, I have skill sets and maybe a personality, maybe just general, whatever, that is marketable to an employer. So, in my mind, if the worst is going to happen to me from trying a venture, if the worst is not that I'm going to be on the street in a box begging for, for a scrap or, or, or shitting on myself, mm. totally desolate and out of sorts, then why not try it? Yeah. And anything better than that, where you're not where you're just totally off the grid, is worth trying for, especially knowing that you are marketable so if it doesn't work out, chances are you could find some type of employment after but you see, the thing is, so it might sound funny, it has to be all in, in that you have to know for sure this is what you want, and the end game is this, nothing else. So even if you leave to start a venture, 
and it doesn't work, and you have to go back to work. Going back to work is just a means to end. It's not the new end. Mm-hmm. Because going back to work should mean you're getting back yourself at a certain point, you can try again. Right. I'll tell you, my van, I have a, I have a grand guitar. I took that out on a seven-year thing. It was four, and I extended it to seven just to make payments and more reason. I paid off for that about two months ago. Yes. Kevin, that has been the most freeing experience <laughs> now. You notice you're not making a paycheck every month, guaranteed, yeah. and you have to find money to pay the bank every month, right? Mm. Again, that's mind games, and all right. yep. you know, often you yeah. just go back to work and just free yep. yourself for this stress. That will get you right back into the system. And that's what I'm saying. So, are you willing to not do that? Not, I mean, I say you don't have a car, but why you don't buy a showroom car if you want to start your own business or how are you making sense? And then you're worrying about if you'll be able to pay your, your bills and your lifestyle. I mean, for me, just to, just to carry the food up, I have cut back on a lot of things just to make sure things are sustainable. I cook a lot of food so I can save on the exorbitant food prices out there. You know, we don't we don't travel as much as miles. <laughs> you know, pretty much. But, you know, a lot of things have a lot of areas, but a lot of areas you can cut back on and just being smart about how you, you do your thing to sustain. There will come a time, once you do it the right way and luck favors you and all that, that all these things that you want will be achievable. So, assess your motivations, assess your bravery, be sure that there's something you're willing to go the extra mile for and make a sacrifice required. That's the advice of Podcast World, there you have it. The Serial Entrepreneur with Osei Wright Alexis. Subscribe to Caribbean Power Lunch at caribbeanpowerlunch.com slash subscribe. Check us out on CastBox, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you listen to your podcast. And with that, Podcast World, Cabin Studios, we are out. we we'll see you next week. <laughs>